Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Ryan Vanderark of Phoenix, Arizona. Ryan will win a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Law & Order Podcast. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Stephen Pappas, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 15, Episode 2, Imprisoned Lives. I got a seven-year-old in the car who spent his entire life in a basement, and God knows what else went on down there. We have no idea where this paw is or, or, or who he is. And now the feeding frenzy begins? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. Thank you for not saying that I'm not ready to come back on this podcast. And rounding out our <laughs> panel is our special guest from the Is This Adulting podcast, soon to be father at any moment, Stephen Pappas. Yes. It, it, thank you for having me. It could, it could happen while we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so if you leave for... Uh, uh, every seven minutes to go check something. <laughs> yes, I'm like, oh, we're still seven minutes apart. We're good. Uh, mm-hmm. We will continue doing this. I don't think I have a, a, a news jingle for babies being born. <laughs> hey, it's that baby. <laughs> I, hey, well, I've typed out an extensive weird text to send to everyone when it's happening. That's basically an alert from the weather service. So I can send you that. <laughs> hey, now you are the mental health comedy podcast could you take a look at that svu team and tell me do they have anything they need to work on <laughs> no they're totally good, they're um, good. all right yeah i i wasn't armchair diagnosing them the entire time at all we met in may at PodX. we both did yes. live shows and i realized from your discussion on your podcast about mental health that everybody in that green room was as anxious as each other and didn't <laughs> oh, want to yes. make eye contact. <laughs> no, we were uh, terrified. I was sitting at the table with y'all and I was just like, oh, these are lovely people. And then you said your name. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> imposter syndrome shouldn't be here. And I think everyone, everyone had Stop. that. <laughs> hey, Stephen, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I'm classic when it comes mm-hmm. to SVU, which is the one I watched the most growing up. It's it's Ice Tea and Munch. Yeah. yeah, good pick. That is a classic pick. 
Yeah, it's well, it's not going to be Stabler and Benson because <laughs> Stabler is very unstabler, and I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> and uh, so nobody is uh, rooted for Jeffries yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite Law and Order District Attorney Prosecutorial Team. Okay, so with SVU, I never knew the team; I only knew the ADA. So it was always Cabot. Right. Which is like the original. I know it's like the most boring white bread answer that I could give you. You like tall blonde women. I mean, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> yeah. With glasses. When I was watching it, it was a sexual awakening for me. <laughs> uh, and that's I, I first saw her and that's how I knew uh, that I would marry my short brunette wife. <laughs> I guess there are worse television shows you could watch to have your sexual awakening. Are there? <laughs> Which ones, Kevin? <laughs> Be specific. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU, Season 15, Episode 2, Imprisoned Lives. Well, just when you think it'd be easy to get molested by a man in a Muppet costume in Times Square, <laughs> a little boy named Buddy gets abandoned by a, a man at the first sign of a cop. He doesn't know his own name. Or he won't say. Or his parents' name. Or where he lives. Okay, he's young. What? Seven? Eight? Doesn't know his birthday. Just says he wants to go home. But he does speak English. When he speaks, yeah. I don't know. Something's off developmentally. Could he be autistic? Nah, my nephew's on the spectrum. This is something different. But he tells the detectives he lives with Ma, Pa, Auntie, and Sissy. Fresh off of her Zero Stars vacation with William Lewis, <laughs> Benson teams with the Morrow to get Buddy home the only way they can, counting the numbers of cracks in the sidewalk from a moving car. <laughs> At Buddy's home, which he just calls house, uh, they discover cages in the basement and a woman chained inside. It's Auntie, and she says they've been imprisoned in the basement for years. Pa and Ma have Amscrade with Sissy, who police believe is Kayla Graylin, a girl kidnapped nine years earlier. They catch a break when Kayla is found in New Jersey, but her captors remain on the lam. FYI, this was originally the second half of a two-part, two-hour season premiere. So in reruns, it's listed as episode two. On streaming services, it's part of episode one, mm. which is why the numbering for the whole season is fucking off. <laughs> uh, that explains it. We've actually encountered that issue. People are like, how come it, it said it's episode seven? It's really episode six. I'm like, well, <laughs> fucking Warren White, yeah. Uh, yeah you're going to get comments about that. So the first episode was Surrender Benson, in mm. which... Uh, uh, Liv is kidnapped by Lewis, and she's assaulted and traumatized and gets away by beating the crap out of Lewis. And now the mm. last we see of her is she's madly cutting her own hair off like Britney Spears on crack. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where we start this episode at. Now, you want to take your kidnapped son outside for a reward, so you go to a low-key location like Times Square. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. It's Momo! Hey, Bye! Bye! What's your name? Buddy, you don't run away from me, okay? Is that your daddy? Do you want him to take a picture of you with Momo? Nobody loves anything more than kids love discount Elmo, oh right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <sighs> Momo. His <laughs> name was Momo. I believe that that is correct. That is correct. Just like Elmo, but not as rapey, I guess. <laughs> well, I remember because 
Oh, I, actually, I would argue more rapey. Um, <laughs> I remember his name was Momo because I remember thinking this is where SVU doesn't have what original recipe, as you would call it, has, which is why. Why was there no pun? I, I want a pun. I want like a, well, he was out here to get Momo money, but it looks like this mascot's got nothing but momo problems <laughs> like that's all i want <laughs> that's what happens when you send finn on the scene but he was unfortunately not sent out for yeah, this course call <laughs> look like this puppet want to put his hand someplace else <laughs> and the poor i like how we're ragging on the the poor puppet man uh it's not even him that's doing the bad things no they just assume <laughs> oh well yeah i mean well here's the thing that y'all don't know about me and it's very ironic that you put me on this episode every listener of my show knows my biggest fear in the entire world is people in mascot suits <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like that's a clever joke i'm making but it's not uh, i'm legitimately terrified of them so i saw this and i was like fuck kevin what are you doing i didn't know it was going to be the x-files yeah it's so scary <laughs> so i gotta ask this question why does buddy talk like tonto <laughs> exactly. oh my god that's true Okay, good, buddy. Is there anything you remember hearing, buddy? That bridge. We crossed that bridge. There's lots of cars. It's loud. Okay, how many sidewalk cracks to house? A hundred cracks to get that far. Fifty-five cracks. To house? Yeah. Tell us if you see house. His fellow captors all spoke perfectly fine English. Well, some of them were a little jibber jabbery, not so. But <laughs> but he was with you know three women who could talk. Yeah. <laughs> what, yes. What was he not picking up? <laughs> Apparently, articles. He doesn't. <laughs> he just does nouns and verbs. I was concerned and I was watching it like, should I make fun of this? And then there were a few times that he said something and I looked at my wife. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make fun of this. <laughs> and now they're looking for the house because they say it's a hundred sidewalk cracks back to house. Yes. And not to the house, but house. And now, look, he's been in the basement all this time. Are they sure he can count to 100? <laughs> right. Because it could be like 4,000, but he's like, I can only get to 100. <laughs> it's the one thing he's good at, Kevin. They make that very clear. Because yeah. they stop exactly at the house. What's right. crazy about that scene is, think of all the scenes. This is like a, um, a pretty much like a common scene in SVU when they're driving around with some victim that's been dumped, like to mm -hmm. recreate where they came from. Mm -hmm. Nobody can ever do it. They always have to get like the giant PowerPoint up on the, you know, on the wall in the squad room and Rollins is like Google mapping and like doing magic and this stupid kid who can't even say the word <laughs> the is like that's definitely the bridge that we walked across which by the way looks totally different from a car than it would yeah. when you're walking across it it's crazy uh, I believe he said that's bridge yeah <laughs> so it may not have been the one they were on it he may just be declaring that <laughs> way to go buddy also can i ask you a question yeah if you were in a moving car that is going i don't know roughly 30 miles an hour at least yeah how many cracks could you count in that time <laughs> i saw <sighs> 
Are you counting the one when you go around the corner and Yeah. Right? I just Yeah, yeah. This was like one of the you most You know who's counting things. because halfway he goes, fifty five cracks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it felt like Rain Man with toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just go back for one second to the um most confounding moment of the episode after this one? Yeah. Imaro dissing Olivia's haircut? What the fuck was that about? Sorry. Nick, it's okay. You don't like my haircut? It'll grow. Where's your ring? Here's what it is. <laughs> Poor Olivia was literally kidnapped, almost raped, almost beat a guy to death after being held by him for days. And he's literally her first day back to work. He's like, man, I don't like the new Bob. What is up with that? <laughs> no wonder you're divorced, Amaro. <laughs> what happened in the ring? Oh, well, I made some comment about my wife's hair as well. So. <laughs> Okay, let's take a look at our Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Want to ask, who is playing Pa, who we will meet in the second half of the episode? She was special, but it was it was for the greater good. See, because I'm not evil. I got problems, and she, she helped me. And after her, I, I didn't need any others. Uh, Anyone know? Uh, nope. Uh, I, I don't. I was going to say he vaguely looks like the guy I can never remember the name of, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like a weird Thomas Earl Haley, is that his name? Yeah, that's Michael Massey. He looks like if William Defoe were left out in the sun for a week. <laughs> yes. Uh, Instead of the three weeks he was left out in the sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a slightly less undercooked Willem Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's had three Law and Order Universe appearances. Uh, this is his only one on SVU. He's he's been in a lot of little things, well, big things too, but small roles. He's he had a guest role on a famous X Files episode as a Jim Jones cult leader, hmm. and uh, he died in October 2016. He is probably best known for firing the handgun that killed Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow. Shut up! No, the real life actor not. who did that. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, you guys remember the story, right? Uh, I do. Well, Stephen may oh not because God. he was watching uh, SVU as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure do. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember. And all I can think is like, that's why he looked like that. He he was probably like twenty seven. But that stress. <laughs> that he did drop out of acting hmm. for many years because he felt badly about that. Um, for As those who don't remember, yeah, Brandon <laughs> Lee, who was Bruce Lee's son, was in this weird movie called The Crow, where he's like in a nighttime avenging angel or whatever. And there's a scene in which these bad guys come in and he's going to get shot by a guy who's got a gun in a uh, paper bag. And they put a, you know, a blank in there, but also to make it louder, a charge as well. So I guess it was proper, wasn't properly loaded or whatever, but some fragments from the gun with the blanks still went, were uh, projected and they struck uh, Brandon Lee. And, it, you know, the story is that the movie was cursed. Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a thing to be remembered for. It's awful. That's like the, mm. you know, guy flying the helicopter in that Twilight Zone movie, right? Like, sort of being yeah. part of this, like, oh, I think also Vic died, Morrow but... was the actor <laughs> yes. who was killed in that. Yeah, yeah that, that really is an awful, awful thing to be known for. Thanks a lot, Kevin. I feel really bad about myself now. What? 
<laughs> for making fun of him for being how, how about this? He didn't, he didn't actually keep people imprisoned in his oh, okay. basement. Does okay. that make you feel better well, about he's, him? So he's better than that guy. He's better than that guy, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're all better than that guy, I'd like to think. Now, we have a cluster of people here who would leave this episode and go on to appear on Orange is the New Black. Hmm. Sure. So we have, of course, Pablo Schreiber. The Lesser Schreiber. Oh, it's a matter of perspective, Kevin. <laughs> no way. <laughs> really? Yes. Really? Well, I know that you You've seen love, Ray Donovan? I have seen Ray Donovan, which we, we, of course, we love. <laughs> yeah. We think that Liv Schreiber is the superior Schreiber, but let's be real. Pablo is Ray Lewis, man. That's a legacy. <laughs> Not Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis was the football player. Oh, you're Jesus, right. Rebecca. <laughs> uh, he was Lewis. You get everybody mixed up. That's right. That's right. Are you going to do your um, Liv Schreiber, Ray Donovan impression? Sure. You ready? Here it yeah. is. Hey, Epps. <laughs> Ray. Ray. Mm. That was really good. Okay, did you recognize Kayla's mom? No. Okay. <laughs> Should I have? Well, that, that's actress Henny Russell. The police, after all these years, said we shouldn't expect too much, but you're saying she's alive with him? She plays Carol Denning, one of the two bad guys in season six of Orange is the New Black. Mm. She's the character, they were like the little Debbie murderers or something like that. She had the uh, catchphrase, bull true, mm. instead of bullshit. I don't know. Yes, okay. <laughs> As we all say. <laughs> You'd have to have stuck around for season eight, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was only up to like season four, yeah. I think. <laughs> How about the Russian bride that we meet at the end? Don't recognize her, should we? Uh... Well, if you watch Orange is in the Black, Rebecca, <laughs> if you didn't give up on it. Okay, that's Sonia Danilovic. After his parents' divorce, she went back to her maiden name. He tells me everything. She plays Sam's mail-order Russian bride that he gets online, hmm. who doesn't speak any English. Yeah. You remember Sam, the, uh, like the, I'm going to call him the guidance counselor. So the, she's basically uh, typecast <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again as the mail-order bride from Russia. That's so sad. Yeah. We need someone to want a green card. Let's get her. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say, Rebecca, I also gave up, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad. I just feel like I'm missing all these cultural touchstones. And hey, it's that guy opportunities. Hmm. All right. Does anyone recognize the actor in the Momo costume? Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not fucking that kidding. That creepy guy with the comb over? I, I do, actually. You do? Yes. Do so it. my wife is a theater teacher. Uh-huh. So I was like, that's the guy from Avenue Q. Yes. <laughs> that's all I know. I don't know his name. Right. They couldn't fucking get her like just an actor. To put on the mascot suit, right? They had to get an actual puppeteer. <laughs> and his name is Rick Lyons. He, he originated the role of uh, Nicky and of Trekkie Monster in Avenue Q, the R-rated <laughs> Broadway show. Uh, so I guess he was the first to sing The Internet is for Porn. Mm. Sure. One of my favorite songs. Mm. Um, hey, Andrew Danny, do you want him to take a picture of you with Momo? Ten bucks, take a video. You want a picture, don't you? Back Come off. On. Hey, don't push me. Hey, it's, five bucks. it's just five bucks for a kid. He also <laughs> had two plus decades on Sesame Street. Really? Yeah, he was one of the assistants who helped operate Big Bird. Uh-huh. And Elmo, which is perfect because he thinks come around full circle because Liv's therapist is Bill Irvin, who played Mr. Noodle. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's who he is. Oh, it was killing me. Every time he's on the screen, I always call him Discount Richard Chamberlain, right? But yeah. like, he's no, actually Mr. Noodle. It's Mr. Noodle. <laughs> so, I'm going to I'm going to just ask a question here. Who? <laughs> hey. You, your child hasn't been born yet, but I tell you, in about 48 hours you're going to be 
there's going to be an influx of Elmo in your life. Yeah. So prepare. Yeah. Whether you want it or okay. not. So Mr. <laughs> Mr. Noodle. Very Mr. excited. Noodle. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you think Buddy's syntax is fucked up? Where do you mean Elmo? <laughs> okay. So there's uh, all these problems with identifying Pa based on who owned the house. Uh, and they bring in the elderly owner's son. And they try to accuse him of being the kidnapper. And he says, hey. I've never seen her before. We found her chained up in your house, in your basement. It's not my house. I don't even like women. So what are you saying? You're gay? It's why my mother hates me. I don't even like girls. I'm gay. <laughs> well, I'm like, well, that proves it. Mm-hmm. You obviously couldn't be a kidnapper then. <laughs> nope. There's no other reason why he would want to kidnap anybody. Okay. Then they want to talk to Auntie who is like babbling like a fool. Pa said, she's our pumpkin pie. Our Thanksgiving blessing. Uh, but they get their clue as to who Sissy might be because they say, she's their pumpkin pie. Mm. So yeah, I guess then this is the only girl's ever been kidnapped on Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. <laughs> the holidays, most kidnappers do take the day off. So. <laughs> they get double time. <laughs> they think they work on for, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my brain never registered that that's what that meant. Because <laughs> I think at this point I was just trying to understand what each of the kidnapping victims was trying to communicate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like being in a basement all that time has fried something in all of them. Mm, as it should. But their teeth all look remarkably good for being locked in a yeah. basement for so long. I mean, really, there wasn't a single, you know, cavity in sight. It was pretty well, impressive. He, he's not feeding them. That's why he don't get cavities. Oh, oh okay. okay. They've got quip. <laughs> I have one question. I don't know about you, but Kayla's story about getting kidnapped on Thanksgiving because she was like at a friend's house watching TV. Mm-hmm. Were either one of you guys allowed to leave your house on Thanksgiving to go to someone else's house no. and watch TV? No, never. <laughs> My mom like, you got TV here. <laughs> You're going to help me un- unbox the cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Today's about family. <laughs> Cut off those ridges. People don't know it came from a can. <laughs> it's about family. Now go sit in the living room with your uncle and watch football. Like exactly. a guy. I'm American. <laughs> and don't you come in my kitchen. That was always mine. It was like, oh, today's about being together, but in different rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Do not touch the yams. <laughs> you wonder why people kill each other at Thanksgiving. She was probably relieved she got kidnapped. Hey, listen, it's one less mouth to feed. <laughs> <laughs> she got home and her mom was like, you know, that plate went cold waiting for you. <laughs> I left that but, out for a long time. Just think about it, though. She got to enjoy Thanksgiving leftovers without <laughs> having to eat them the first time around. That's right. <laughs> I've kept this stuffing in the freezer for nine years, waiting for this day. <laughs> I love too. They said, like, well, do you have anything of hers, like, you know, for DNA purposes? And like... Well, they said they wouldn't need it until they found a body. <laughs> like, okay, we'll give us her toothbrush now. <laughs> Just in case. It's, I always want it to be a really weird answer when they ask a question like that. Yeah. Like, do you have anything for DNA purposes? Well, she lost a finger in a terrible accident. <laughs> We've got that in the freezer. Hold on, hold on. I'll get it. Move the stuffing. Ew. (laughs) Well, speaking of DNA, did anyone else notice that, like, Liv got back to the station with the boy? (laughs) Buddy. 
And then like five minutes later, uh, Rollins was like, We ran his profile through missing persons. There's no matches yet, and his DNA is not in the system. No maternal or paternal head. Uh, Rollins was like, yeah, the DNA didn't come back with a match to anyone. I'm like, how the fuck did you guys do that in four <laughs> seconds? Yeah. By the way, <laughs> why would a seven-year-old kid's DNA be in the system? <laughs> exactly. Good is he point. Is suspected of being the West Side Rapist? <laughs> 23 and me. Yeah. He doesn't even know what the word the is, so <laughs> how to properly use an article in a sentence. He's like, yeah, this little kid who's talking like Tarzan, I think that he might be that rapist. Let's <laughs> get a swab. <laughs> and by the way, everybody, there's Pa and Ma and Sissy. Why do they go with Buddy and not Sonny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, isn't that the right choice? Because they're thinking, he's going to be 27, we're still going to be calling him Buddy. <laughs> oh. And his mom, like, had heard of names before That's she right. was kidnapped. It's not like she was never around anybody that didn't have a name. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Every time Amaro talks to him, it sounds like he's being condescending. He's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's just what Amaro sounds like, though, all but the time. But he says that to, like, skulls, too. Be like, hey, buddy, you want to call your lawyer? <laughs> hey, buddy, don't worry, your hair will grow back. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Oh, and now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. After reuniting with her parents, Kayla is concerned about her family from the basement. Auntie told us that that Buddy's your son, but he doesn't know it. No. Pa said our, our names were Sissy, Auntie, and Ma. Can you tell us about Ma and Pa? Were they always together? I think so. She was in the car when they... When Pa took you? Meantime, Benson is barely holding it together as flashbacks from her own captivity and violent escape keep invading her thoughts. Ma is captured in Pennsylvania and winds up back in SVU's interrogation room. While Amanda plays good cop, Olivia goes ham as bad cop (laughs) when Ma shuts down, forcing Cragen to pull her from the case. After meeting with Kayla and Buddy, Benson shows Amaro a folder and says she can get through to her (laughs) inside is a crayon drawing from buddy which is pretty good for a kid who's grown up in complete darkness i have to say (laughs) ma is touched and so she reveals her name before she was kidnapped 12 years later which lead detectives to a school janitor named michael williams Cops are greeted at the door by his Russian bride and find him rolling around in the backyard with his two American sons. Ooh. In custody, William... By the way, how long were they together and she didn't get the green card? <laughs> I just... Okay. In custody, Williams admits that he is Pa and says he took good care of his little zoo family on the side. As Kayla brings Buddy home to her parents' house for the first time, Benson tells her that with the right kind of support, she can thrive to which she takes her own advice and returns to therapy with Mr. Noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they bring in Ma, 
who looks like she must have been kidnapped 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, who was dumped at McDonald's? They're like really slinging around the brand names in this episode. Right. We got Kmart, right. we got McDonald's. Except and for Momo. Momo, exactly. <laughs> Which you know is Elmo because this little rip from the headlines part is about the guy in the Elmo costume who kept assaulting kids. Really? Yeah. Mm. You know, they, they'd take a photo and he grabbed their ass or oh, something. They yeah. were fights. And that's why she goes, oh, another Momo incident. <laughs> and exactly what's going on. <laughs> but oh uh, so they bring her back. They bring Ma back, and then they argue. It's like, well, you gonna she gonna really op- open up to these icky boys? But it doesn't really go as planned. It was always trouble. He had to do what she asked for, and, and Kayla asked for it, and Buddy asked for it. He never hurt Buddy. He's a seven-year-old, terrified, Stop. locked in a basement Stop. his whole Stop. life. Stop. He will Stop. never, ever, Stop. ever leave this house. My office now. Yeah, and somehow, like, Rollins ends up being the sensitive one for a change. Rollins, like, the non-victim believer of the squad. Rollins, she had it coming. (laughs) Is all of a sudden the one who has, like, empathy and is like, cool your jets live. I found that to be a stunning role reversal. Almost as stunning as how completely fly Ma's hair looked after being trapped in a basement for 35 years. (laughs) (laughs) They may have quip, but I guess they also have conditioner. (laughs) When I started watching the scene, and they were it was as it was unfolding i was like okay i can't tell if ma if this is an accurate depiction of what her mental health would be like or if she's just really chewing the scenery but i was quickly distracted by how much mariska hargitay was chewing the scene oh yeah <laughs> in her peasant blouse <laughs> Oof. she went zero to 60 real fast She's like, this is going on Miami submission reel. That's right. <laughs> Along with that scene where she's uh, beating Lester Schreiber with a pipe. You know, what's funny is that I was actually thinking about that, Kevin. You know how they like split that Lewis series in half and this mm-hmm. was the beginning of this season, right? Yeah, right. This probably this episode probably was her whole Emmy reel, right? She has the beating. The, the double the- episode. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Which is, it's interesting that they actually, I was reading about the episode and they said that they removed an ongoing recurring bit they were going to do where every time she gets mad at a suspect, she beats them repeatedly with part of her bed frame. <laughs> <laughs> they did remove that though which i feel like was probably a good move for plot that was a good editorial move yeah yeah because it always leads up to this craig and has to be the one to point out that benson might not be ready to rock and roll you think <laughs> i made a mistake you're too wrong she knows who he is and where he is i'm going back in there. no you are not going back in you are going home it was too soon for you to come back to SVU. <laughs> <laughs> Why do cops in these shows always want to stay at work? If somebody came up to me at my job and was like, you shouldn't be here right now. We will still pay you, but you have to leave. I would be like, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> but cops like always fucking want to stay at work. What is I'm the going back in there. <laughs> I'm this close. Your boss just offered you a paid day off. Take it. Go get that oh, black yeah. nail polish covered up, girl. Do something else. Go get your <laughs> hair fixed. Leave work. What is your problem? Go find Momo. Take a photograph. (laughs) (laughs) So how about the balls on Pa? Slaves. That's what the girls told you. No. That's what the chains, fences, and tasers told us. I was the slave. I worked my ass off for them. I clothed them, fed them, took care of their needs. So were you called raping them? He says, I was the slave. (laughs) (laughs) I was the slave. 
Hey, I have to hose down those damn cages once a month. Do you know how difficult it is to buy gruel in bulk rates? <laughs> Jesus. I try to have sex with those girls and they don't even have quip. <laughs> it's tough. Jesus. I have a question. Yeah. That principal, like, has Michael Williams' address, like, in her pocket or something? Like, she knows, like, exactly yeah. what's up with everyone all the time. Well, you know, she's the principal and he still works there. Yeah, I guess. Horrible story. Yeah, at the time, the police questioned a maintenance worker. Michael Williams. They said he didn't have anything to do with it. You know where he is now? I can get you his phone number. He works here. He had an accident a few days ago. He's on sick leave. That whole thing seemed off to me, especially when she was like, he was sick last week. Well, yeah, I mean, the kidnappers are always sick when they've been doing their kidnapping. He's been on the land theme. They went he went like south, like got as far as I don't know, was it South Carolina? And then he turned around and came back. He's like, I got to go to work on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) My real wife wants to know where I am. And I've got I've got uh, pencil shavings I need to accumulate in case some kid throws up. (laughs) So at the end, Kayla wonders out loud of like if she's ever going to have a normal life. Nope. And (laughs) And he's never going to be normal. See, you know, what I've seen is that people who have gone through unfair, horrific experiences is that they have this will, and when they get support, they can not only survive, they can thrive. Benson <laughs> says, like, when victims get support, they thrive. Now, Stephen, I assume as, you know, from the Is This Adulting podcast, that you would agree with that. Uh, yes. Okay, so full disclosure, I'm not a mental health professional. <laughs> yes, I know that. <laughs> but I will say... At least from what I know, when victims get support, they do thrive. Uh, Myself, as someone who deals with PTSD and also who deals with things like, I I mean, I don't know, I'm a survivor of a suicide attempt and things like that. Getting support does help you move forward and does help you live a better life. I agree. However, being famous for being kept in a cage in somebody's basement kind of guarantees that even if you get that support and thrive, your life your life will never be like, quote unquote, normal, right? It'll just be like a different kind of normal, a different flavor of normal. I mean, she might be OK, but everywhere she goes, everyone's going to be like, hey, you're that basement lady, right? Yeah, yeah probably. Maybe. Probably. So, Rebecca, after like this Lewis arc. Yes. I think it basically cements Benson's legacy as the victim's champion. Yes. In real life, yeah. Well, I don't know about her. I mean, she is a fictional character, but, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> no, but I, mean, but I mean that people who are watching television and like refer to her as such that they they feel like this character really is, you know, about sharing their experience. While Olivia Benson is a fictional character, as we've established, there is something about the Lewis arc, I think, was cathartic. Like the audience or SVU like wanted to see her in this situation and wanted to see her get out of it because it's one thing to have her be helping other fictional people with their, you know, trauma. Uh-huh. But when she experiences trauma, I do think that it was a writing device designed to cement her relationship with the audience. It was sort of like not like the audience was fantasizing about watching something bad happening to Olivia, but I think the audience wanted to see her firsthand survive something so that she would then like, you know, I, I, I do th- I do think you're onto something there in terms of, of that part of it. And I like, you know, the meme that says when Stabler gets kidnapped, Benson rescues him. Right. 
when Benson gets kidnapped, she rescues herself. Of course she does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Benson has to like shoot Stabler to rescue him, which is my favorite part of her rescue. <laughs> D- does she really have to, or was that a choice? <laughs> she also slaps him in the face a few times. It's super fun. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the kidnapping case of Ariel Castro. Between 2002 and 2004, the Cleveland man kidnapped three women and kept them locked in his home. Over the years, the women unending endured beatings and sexual abuse at the hands of Castro. Captive Gina de Jesus said she was raped for years. Michelle Knight said Castro impregnated her five times, and each time he beat her until she lost the baby. Amanda Berry gave birth to Castro's daughter while in captivity. The three women and the child were rescued in 2013 when Berry realized Castro forgot to lock the interior front door. She called to a passing neighbor who helped her kick out the screen door. When police entered the home, Knight and De Jesus leapt into their arms. The story of the women's 10-year ordeal shocked the nation. Castro was arrested and charged with more than 900 criminal complaints, hundreds for kidnapping and for rape, as well as an aggravated murder charge. Rather than face the death penalty, he took a plea of 1,000 years behind bars. But only one month into his sentence, Ariel Castro hanged himself in his Ohio prison cell. Yeah, so very light. Yes, uplifting. Mm, Yes. (laughs) So Amanda Berry's mother went on Montel Williams while she was missing, right? Mm. And a psychic told her that Amanda was dead and in the water. And this, like, so devastated uh, the mom that she took all of the photos of her missing daughter down and gave away her computer so I got to ask Rebecca, which is a more useless police resource, a psychic or a criminal profile? <laughs> Excellent question, Kevin. I know what you're going to say. But the psychics, don't they <laughs> always say, they always say it's near water. They always say that. Like in every TV show where you see it's like some fictional scene, even with a psychic, it's like, I I feel running water. Always. Even in the fake uh, Law & Order SVU episode when, what was it, Martin Short was the psychic? Uh. He was like, there's there's water running nearby. That's what they always say. Just- yeah, because no one gets kidnapped and runs to the desert. <laughs> sure. We're humans. We need water. It's a pretty good guess. I think psychics have been used... Uh, 
pretty often to solve cases. If you remember, there's a really great documentary series about it uh, called Psych. And yeah, they do. They do a lot of that. I think every episode they solved a different caper. <laughs> they have their uh, their uses, definitely. Now, Amanda gave birth to the girl in an inflatable swimming pool. Yes. And Castro threatened to kill Michelle Knight if that baby died. And at one point, the baby stopped breathing, but she uh, resuscitated him. Mm. That is a terrifying story. It is terrifying. I mean, there's a lot about this is terrifying. I mean, Jesus, yeah. it's like this is, I remember when this happened and like hearing the details about it on the news. And this was probably one of the worst crime stories of the last decade, right? Easily. Because yeah. even just hearing the details now, it's visceral. It just sounds like... It's like that episode of the X-Files that they'd never show again with the people under the bed. Like, it's awful. Oh, was the name of that episode, Except it's yeah. real. And it's just terrifying. And the idea that this guy just, like, lived in this neighborhood and was doing these things inside this house, you know, it is it is a completely gut-wrenching and terrifying and heartbreaking story on, like, a hundred levels. Now, the murder, the murder charge is actually pretty important to the criminal case. He was charged, you know, with uh, aggravated murder for inducing those miscarriages. And he did that. Apparently, he would beat Michelle with dumbbells, uh, starve mm. her, and throw her down the stairs. And at one point, Michelle had a dog, and Castro broke the dog's neck. Oh God! When it bit him, trying while the dog was trying to protect Michelle. Oh. Now I gotta say, you bought your captive a dog. <laughs> what the fuck did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, good point. I don't think this guy was all there, Kevin. I really don't. I don't think he had logic like chain like that. And like sad me is just being like, oh, but he was just the dog was just being such a good boy. He was yeah. being a good boy. Oh. So what he's supposed to do? You have like people tied up, and you're also going to get a dog. Like, no, isn't there enough piss smell there already? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> who's walking the dog? Yeah, exactly. Uh. Who's taking the dog to the vet? Can I just say? It does have my favorite thing that happens in actual true crime cases, though, which is he, he left the house and didn't lock the door. <laughs> now, you have kidnapped three people. You have yeah. one job, and that's to keep them in the house. If you're on the road, like if you're like turning right off your street and you're going, did I did I lock the door? <laughs> uh, you haven't gone too far. You can turn yeah. around like not that I'm giving pointers. That's. A terrifying thing. No. <laughs> I'm just making fun of the asshole that was too stupid to not lock the door. <laughs> well, she she opened the big door, right? But the screen door is still locked. Right. Which I don't know, like, why you can't unlock it from the inside. I don't know. How don't, did he lock that from the outside? I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've seen but a screen know, door with a key. Okay. <laughs> All right. But you can kick it down real easy. <laughs> but, but even, like, in life, when you have, like, these weird, there's these weird, like, funny things that happen in, like, very serious situations and she's like screaming for help. And the first person who comes over is a neighbor who speaks no English. Oh, my God. Oh. It's it's like it's like a horror film. right? Yeah. You're like, oh, please rescue. He doesn't he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> he has to go get somebody else. <laughs> so, OK, so they arrest Castro. He admits all of this. He does uh, takes a plea bargain for 1,000 years. Sounds fair. Look, I'm no defense attorney, but I think I could have done better than that. <laughs> I would have gotten him 890 years. Right. <laughs> uh, as part of his plea bargain, he agreed to have that house demolished, and which he was probably going to do anyway, because who the fuck wants to buy that house? Exactly. Mm. No one. <laughs> Can you imagine the real... I mean, I'm not making light of this. This is a terrible crime. 
But just for a second, imagine what the real estate listing would have had to have say. With all the disclosures? Yes, because you have to disclose everything that's happened in a house. You have to say there was a death there. You have to say if, you know, uh, if there had been a fire. You have to say if there had been a crime. You have to say yeah. those things in a real estate listing. Finish basement. Ask me oh, why. God. Uh, oh, my God. And there, there are some houses that that helps the real estate, like, like Cielo Drive. Like, people are like, yeah, this is awesome. Love it. This one's too dark. <laughs> Manson, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> too dark. Yeah. Hey, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank our guest, Stephen Pappas. Stephen, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, my gosh. Uh, thank y'all. Yeah, uh, you can find me online. I am at the Stephen Pappas on Twitter. Uh, we are at is this underscore adulting because somebody took is this adulting asshole. Uh, and you can find the is this adulting podcast uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's a it's a mental health comedy show. It's us being goofy and talking about our feelings. And I hope you'll have some photos of your newborn. Yes, that's happening. We've been stockpiling episodes so I can take a few months off to uh, apparently these things need a lot of care. <laughs> Uh, Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? They can find me at Reb Lavoy on Twitter and Instagram. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Other Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad free episodes of These Other Stories a week early, Sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.